You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for joining our show today. Today, our show is going to be brought to you from the floor of the International Catholic Stewardship Conference in Orlando, Florida, where I had the honor a couple of weeks ago of interviewing a few of the guests for our show. But first, before we go there, let me ask you this. How do you mark the change of seasons? Now, depending upon where you live in the country or maybe even in the world, you may not have the traditional four seasons. But I can tell you here in beautiful Pennsylvania, we have the benefit of four beautiful seasons. Now, some are better than others, but it's at this point in the year where we just mark the beginning of fall on the calendar that I'm already beginning to find leaves in the backyard. And I find myself also beginning to put things away or or pack up things or pull things out like warmer clothes because it's just starting to get a little bit little bit nippy at night, you know, a little colder than it used to be in the morning as well. And so I'm beginning to put things some things away and pull out things that I haven't looked at for a few months. I also did that recently before I went on my trip to Orlando. I was actually trying to get rid of some stuff on my phone because I have this 64 gigabyte phone that once upon a time used to be a lot of memory, but today it's not that much memory. Did you know that Twitter takes up one gigabyte of storage? A gigabyte for Twitter. I can't believe it. Anyway, that's not the point. My point is it reminded me that every so often we need to take inventory of the things that are occupying our lives, the things that we allow to take up space, whether they be good habits or bad, perhaps an old argument with someone with whom we're close to or or a burden that you might be carrying for something that happened a long time ago. When we carry those things around in our hearts, they don't leave a lot of room for God. We're still in the year of St. Joseph, and he is our loving father. God wants us to rest in St. Joseph's fatherhood. We know that every good and perfect gift is from God above, and we need to remember to access those gifts. You know, Pope Benedict once said, If discouragement overwhelms you, think of the faith of Joseph. If anxiety has its grip on you, Think of the hope of Joseph. If exasperation or hatred seizes you, think of the love of Joseph. Who was the first man to set eyes on the human face of God in the person of the infant conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary? Let us praise and thank Christ for having drawn so close to us and for giving us Joseph as an example and model of love. Boy, I love that Pope Benedict and that Saint Joseph. Now, let's get to work. As I said, this week we make our annual trip to the International Catholic Stewardship Conference where I had some great conversations with the participants. And so, without further ado, I hope you enjoy these impromptu conversations. Well, welcome guys. Thanks for stopping by our booth today. I'm here with Patrick Miller who is the Director of Advancement for St. Patrick's High School in Biloxi, Mississippi. And I'm also here with Dr. Matt Buckley, who is the Principal of St. Patrick's High School in Biloxi. Welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you here. And Patrick, we've connected online a couple times, and so glad uh, you came up yesterday and introduced yourself, and, uh, and here we are. And is this your, your first timers here at the conference? Tell us, what do you think of ICSE so far? 
Uh, we've really enjoyed it. We're normally on the on the school side. Of course, I've got the school track here, but it, it's provided a unique perspective for us to see a little bit more of the parish side as well when it comes to stewardship and advancement. So we've really enjoyed enjoyed the speakers, enjoyed the crowd. It's been been a nice trip. Excellent, excellent. And Dr. Buckley, we were talking a little bit about St. Patrick's High School in beautiful Biloxi. Tell us a little bit about the school. How long has it been in existence? What's the enrollment? Yeah, so the school opened back in, in 2007, and uh, we, we have a long, uh, a long legacy prior to that. Uh, before St. Patrick was formed, there were two other schools, one in Biloxi, one in Gulfport, uh, Mercy Cross High School in Biloxi, St. John High School in Gulfport, and, and those after Hurricane Katrina merged to form St. Patrick. And so for about, we're in year 15, I believe now, enrollment's up and advancement's up. Everything's moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, we're thrilled to continue that long legacy of Catholic education in coastal Mississippi. What do you think makes St. Patrick's unique? What are, what are some of your core values? Yeah, definitely. We focus on, on we, we say our tagline is educating scholars, training disciples, and supporting champions. And those are really the the pillars of our mission. Um, of course, that centerpiece of training intentional disciples sets us apart and makes us dif- different than all of our, our local schools in the area. And, and you know, we, we, we try to, we, we claim to be the premier high school in the state of Mississippi. Yeah. And certainly try to live up to that each and every day. That's amazing. And you were telling me before we started recording here that you've had a dramatic increase in enrollment and it was from a number of different efforts. Yeah. I'm sure there's a, a principal or an advancement director that would love to know the secret of In Your Sauce. What what have you been doing to increase enrollment? Well, I wish it was a secret. I wish it was something I could package and sell, but it's, um, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of little things. And yeah. um, so we've seen about a 40% increase over the past five, six years. And the school had, since 2007, had declined steadily. And so turned it around. And uh, because of the hard work of the team and the support of the parents and the, the work of the kids every day, We've seen an increase the last five years, and I think it's a lot of things. I think primarily it's delivering a high-quality product and making sure that we're the best in all that we do and delivering the best product, taking care of our people, uh, taking care of the students and their families. And then uh, we've really worked hard to market the school and brand the school and make sure that everyone knows about St. Patrick and everyone is familiar with uh, the work that we do each and every day. And then you know, from there, we've, do- we've tried to build strong relationships with our parishes and with our pastors and with our partner elementary schools and I think just all those things have helped to make that happen. Those relationships in my experience has always been the key you know developing when when a young person comes in to tour the school for the first time and then just continuing that dialogue with them until they sign up I can imagine there's a there's a whole process behind that where you're at. Right yeah and we we track we track the data too Um, you know we look at uh, we, we start kind of following our, our elementary students in third grade, as early as third grade, and get to know them there. So by the time they reach seventh grade and enter St. Patrick, we've had that relationship with them and their families, um, and we continue that. We've had, in addition to the increase in enrollment, we've also had a 95% retention rate year over year. So I'm most proud of Tremendous. that because we've got families re-enrolling each year because they're, they're proud of the product that they're receiving. Mm. Now, were you guys hit uh, pretty badly by Ida when it came through not too long ago? No, we were fortunate. Um, We were just 50 miles east of of the storm. So very fortunate. Of course, our friends in in South Louisiana have have been in our thoughts and prayers. And um, uh, it's it's often that we're both impacted, you know, when those storms come through. So we were fortunate getting over into Biloxi and and, uh, Harrison County uh, to not receive as, as much of the weather from Ida. So... Thank God. 50 miles isn't that far, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Wow. And Patrick, you're, rel- you're relatively new. You've been in your role for a couple of years now, but you were also kind of new to advancement, weren't you, weren't you when you first took this position? Yes, uh, this is all new to me, mm-hmm. and I've loved it, every moment of it. I'm actually uh, a graduate of the first graduating class from St. Patrick. Oh, that first it? year it opened in 2007. Mm-hmm. Spent 12 years in Starkville, Mississippi, was faculty there, and was a member of the Board of Aldermen for the city of Starkville, and had a real interest in economic development for cities, and you know, this advancement position came open, and I just felt like that translated for me. You know, I had one conversation with Dr. Buckley, and I thought, oh, gosh, this guy's serious about Catholic education. Yeah. You know? And so we packed the family up and moved you know, back from Starkville to Biloxi, and the rest is history. And, and I've had a blast every single day that I've worked there. It's, it's hard work. You know, every day is an ex- expression of our faith, you know, and that's a, that's a special thing. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. But coming back home to your high school must have been uh, an interesting experience. You're now on the other side of the desk, right? Did you? How, what was uh, what was your friend's reaction? They heard you're coming back to your alma mater. <laughs> they loved it, and uh, to me, it's special to play that role. Yeah, you know, and yeah. to keep my friends, whether they're in my class or I'm the youngest of five children, so okay. my four older siblings went to what Dr. Buckley referenced, so Mercy Cross High School is our legacy school. Mm-hmm. And so I know a, a lot of those families and, and their family friends. And, and so I've enjoyed reconnecting as well. And uh, oh yeah, they're filled, they're filled all the time. My buddies, especially that are out of town, they, they want to know how the school's doing and yeah. um, you know athletics and everything like that. Um, so there's a real interest there for sure. So being a young school, really 15 yeah. years, and and being the uh, the beneficiaries of prior legacies, right? Pulling these these previous schools back together. I, I've, we've had other schools on the podcast in the past that have done that. Brooks Catholic comes to mind, uh, where they merge two schools together. How are you engaging folks? You know. Certainly, you must hear once in a while, well, that's not my high school, St. Patrick. I sure. didn't go there. But So how do you overcome that? And how do you engage alum from a previous school into your mission? Sure. Well, I think it's the number one key to advancement, and that's just relationships and making sure that we, we're keeping in touch with those families and, and those alumni and reminding them of our mission and reminding them that St. Patrick is a home for them and they're welcome there anytime. And we certainly try to engage them as much as possible. We we're very personable <laughs> with everybody, but it's um, it's a challenge for us certainly. And but we've we've got a lot of uh, help and support from our alumni. We have what we call an alumni advisory committee, mm-hmm. and that's made up of alumni from every legacy school, including St. Patrick. Yep. And so they go out and they're ambassadors to our alumni for us, and mm-hmm. we put on events for our alumni. We just had our alumni mass and social. On Saturday, Bishop Lewis Kinnaman, the Bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Biloxi, was the celebrant of that and had our alumni there and then a social afterwards. And so just a number of things that we're doing digitally and in person to keep in touch with our alumni. Because you have a puppy, a lot of young alumni as well. How are, how are you differentiating your approach to them? Are you moving more digital and away from direct mail? Or how are you, you know, in, in advancement, as you well know, there's so many different channels that we have to try to hit people right. with. And how are you making that adjustment? It's definitely more digital with our younger alumni. And so we've, we've had a strong presence. I think we like to pride ourselves on, on our work on social media mm-hmm. and then also through email as well. Even fundraising, I mean, we've, in terms of giving, I mean, probably that's our biggest avenue for giving, and especially for our young alumni as mm-hmm. well. So, 
Are scholarships a big role in, in your fundraising? You have a lot of dedicated funds for, for those? Yes. So we started last year our annual fund, mm -hmm. which is called the Irish Fund. Nice. And uh, that's just been a, a huge success. I mean, we've, we've had a great buy-in from, from our parents and, and from our alumni, and that helps specifically. Uh, well, it, it's unrestricted, but majority of that right now is, is helping support tuition assistance and right we work hard with our families we we don't want our students or our families to be turned away because of financial concerns and, sure um, dr buckley and i both feel in the leadership of the school very feel very strongly about that mm -hmm. and so a lot of our fundraising efforts assist with tuition assistance we also bishop kinneman when he came to the diocese of biloxi brought a program with him the guardian angel program and uh, we, we, each of the schools has that program, and so we have that as well. And so folks can, if they, if they just want to give to tuition assistance, we'll earmark that for the Guardian Angel program. That's so, excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Does your board get pretty active with your fundraising, or you have, you have the alumni committee? Do they also participate? Yes, we engage everybody, you yeah. know, for fundraising. Sure. And, and um, you know, I'm sure like all of our friends in advancement, you know, we... We talk about that advancement is everybody's role, sure. and so uh, we engage our um, school advisory council uh, and also our alumni advisory committee, and then they work as ambassadors for us as well. Like I mentioned earlier, yeah, uh, both on on building, helping build those relationships, but also setting a standard for giving at the school as well, and, and being a positive example for the rest of our community. That's excellent. And Dr. Buckley, how um, how have you guys fared through these last uh, eighteen months with COVID? It's been an interesting time, um, an unprecedented time, of course, but, you know, we've never missed a day of instruction, never missed a day of delivering our mission, and that was, I remember, I'll always remember that Friday before we shut down for the pandemic, in that day in March, and I remember meeting with the faculty and staff, we all joined together virtually for that first of many times, and, you know, the, the point of that call was, we're going to continue our mission, we're going to take care of our people, and they did just that, we never missed a day, and, so we finished out that school year virtually, then we came back the following August, the following fall in person, and we've been in person ever since, and we've had some challenges, but everyone's done well, and we've kept the doors open, kept everyone safe and healthy, and um, that's most important. We've continued to deliver our mission. That's tremendous, tremendous. Uh, you know, so many places, whether they be Catholic schools or parishes or what, whatnot, I think we've all learned lessons, valuable lessons that, you know, we may not go back completely 100% to business as usual. I don't think that there's going to be a lasting impact with, with right. COVID. Have there been some lessons learned or adjustments that you guys have had to make, either in advancement or uh, just with the school in general, that you think, well, we've gone down this road now, there's no turning back, right. we're just going to keep going? Well, we had been embarking on really leading the way in technology before the yep. pandemic, and so that definitely expedited mm -hmm. um, the integration of technology on our campus. And so we've everything from live streaming classes to yep. having digital learning management platforms for our students. So I, I think all of that will continue. Mm -hmm. um, on the advancement side, you know, definitely we've seen an increase in, uh, in digital giving and mm -hmm. you know, meeting people digitally. And, and you know, I think those things will continue as well. Mm -hmm. And how are things in the diocese? How are things in Bluxy? They're wonderful. Bishop Kinneman has been there four years now. Mm -hmm. He is extremely supportive of, I mean, obviously our parishes, but also our Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. uh, he's personable. He's very engaged. He's, you know, anytime we call upon him, he, he's engaging and supportive of us. And so 
uh, that resonates through the entire diocese. And I feel strong about the diocese. I, I really feel like it's in a great place, and we've got wonderful, even beyond Bishop Kinneman, we've got wonderful leadership, so we're blessed. We have 15 Catholic schools in the Diocese of Biloxi, okay. over 4,000 students. Uh, so everything, everything's strong and moving in a great direction. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, I hope that you guys enjoy the rest of this conference. Yeah. Are you staying with the Catholic school track, or are you also kind of branching out into some other areas? We've branched out a little bit. Um, you know, we, yeah. we talked earlier, It's most of the conferences and things like this we go to are, are geared towards schools and specifically yeah. Catholic schools. So it's neat to see that whole different perspective, as Patrick mentioned, and, and interesting to see the, the parish side and the diocese side more so than we're used to. So we've branched out a little bit. We're kind of weaving in and out yeah. of the track. Sure, yeah, that's all right. Everybody <laughs> but, does. Yeah. But you know, it's it's you know it's cool to get that perspective because then it, it gives us ideas and mm-hmm. and um, there are a lot of people here um, that we appreciate and admire and keep up with and so mm-hmm. it's it's nice to meet them and like yeah. you, Jim, and and, and others uh, and and bring some some great information, some practical information home and, yeah. and put it to work. That's awesome. Patrick, when we first met yesterday, tell our listeners how you found the podcast, because I, I was so touched by that. Yeah, absolutely. Super appreciative of, of your work, Jim, and uh, I mean that. Uh, I've got a 25-minute commute to work, and so uh, I thought, well, I, bought, I better start being productive with that 25 minutes. And so I, I, I said, as we discussed, you know, I'm, gosh, I'm new to advancement. i gotta, you know, I got to start an annual fund. i got to do all these things. And, and so I, you know, I, I just started searching on Spotify, and um, saw your podcast and advancing our church, and y- you know you've you've helped this guy and in, in, in Biloxi, Mississippi, a lot. And one of the most maybe a little over a year ago, you did a podcast on uh, increasing generosity. That influenced our uh, our first year of our appeal for our Irish fund. Wow! Uh, and because I thought, gosh, that isn't that what we're trying to do? You know, uh, increase generosity. You know, please know that your your work does a lot of good. People are listening, so I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. I really that means a lot, Patrick. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, it means a lot that you came over to today. Yeah. So, so thanks so much, guys. Thanks for all thank you're you. doing uh, for uh, for the high school and for Catholic education. And so glad to meet you this week. So you too. Yeah. Thank you. You as well, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Mm-hmm. Well, we're here with Kimberly Riley, the president and CEO of the Catholic Foundation of Central Florida. How are you, Kimberly? Really good, Tim. How are you doing? Good, great. Great to see you here at the ICSC. What sessions have you been attending? Are you enjoying yourself here? Of course. It's wonderful to have the opportunity to get back in person and see everyone. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I'd say I kicked it off early with the foundation forum that I really enjoyed. And Mm -hmm. I think the program committee ramped up the program this year and was definitely worth the time to come and hear all the fabulous speakers. Sure. How we move forward, address uh, the new norms in our world, and make sure that we can continue to grow and also stay in touch with our constituents. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. What are some of the hot topics with foundations these days? Uh, reengaging donors, major gifts, some of the usual? Yeah, exactly. I think investment portfolios, right. you know, the, the markets are changing as the world is changing too. So everybody's looking at their investment portfolios and allocations. 
Planned giving, of course, is always a hot topic, but you know, we're really talking about um, blended gifts. You know, so how we engage donors so they can enjoy their gifts while living, but also consider how to enhance their gifts by incorporating a planned gift with a, a gift while living, too. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent. Donor advised funds also have been obviously a huge piece uh, during yes. the pandemic. Yeah. And of course, there's le potential legislation out there that everybody has their eyes on that they're watching, so that's definitely a big topic for foundations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And how is the foundation faring here during the pandemic? Um, well, we're benefiting just like a lot of other organizations where the market has, thank God, been blessing yeah. um, post-pandemic. And mm -hmm. so we were able to return a lot of growth mm -hmm. um, to the fund holders and uh, provide the beneficiaries some wonderful distributions and grants this year. So a little over $2 million wow. um, that we're in process of distributing throughout our nine-county area so we're, yeah we're doing really well mm -hmm. you know we went just like everybody else kind of when the coat when the pandemic hit we adapted really quickly to support the parishes and needs within the diocese. Those things have kind of been closed up, and now we're, we're trying to get back to where the parishes just help themselves and get back into the swing of things. So it's wonderful to see, you know, the parishes, the pastors, parish staff, um, all here at ICSC and getting back into stewardship. Mm -hmm. And our parishes, uh, many dioceses around the country have uh, now lifted that dispensation for attending masses. Has that been the case here in Orlando? No, or not no. yet. Not, not yet? yet? Oh, okay. Yes, not yet. All right. And we still have, you know, the challenges of whether you're wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. There, right. there is, people are supposed to wear masks, but mm -hmm. I think whether it's the parishioners or pastors, it depends, mm -hmm. you know, what's going on um, throughout the diocese. But, yeah. uh, you know, Doesn't we've matter. talked about that. It, it, you can't win for losing if you're the bishop, right. you know, or the president and principal <laughs> at the schools, right? Yeah. You've got parents or parishioners calling you saying, what, you're not going to mandate the mask? <laughs> or the other ones are calling and saying, I can't believe you are mandating the mask. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're... we're we're trying to meet the faithful where they are, right? And uh, we're all human, and just trying to figure out how we get through. And, yeah. But live stream, of mm -hmm. course, is big now. Sure. All the parishes are going digital. Yeah. So that people have a choice. I think hybrid is definitely uh, an option for all of us in everything we do. For right. you know us doing events uh, going forward, but um, also in how we worship. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how this all evolves. Well, Sunday morning, I uh, took the opportunity to go over to Mary Queen of the Universe Shrine for Mass, and the rector had this celebration, and he did just a beautiful job of commemorating 9-11, weaving it in with the gospel, just talking about where he was, and we all think about 20 years ago. Exactly. You know, and uh, I, I was just really impressed. It was the incense, the music. Just the whole celebration was a tremendous, tremendous yeah. celebration, yeah. The choir and that organ is fantastic. Unbelievable. And thank yeah. you so much for going there. You know, that was one of our places. Of course, we were all closed down, but Mary Queen of the Universe, because um, it really caters to the ministry of the tourist here, mm -hmm. and tourism, of course, was down much longer than the churches were closed. Sure. And so Mary Queen was closed much longer than a lot of the parishes, and we're so happy to be able to have that open again and providing ministry for all those who were traveling. So I'm glad you got to experience that. Well, uh, just for anybody who's listening, if you're in Orlando, you've got to stop by Mary Queen of the Universe Shrine. It's just an amazing experience. 
Stop by the gift shop too. It's getting a pretty pretty yes, impressive Mary's gift shop. Dwelling. Mary's uh -huh. dwelling, is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's excellent. Well yeah. good. And your family's doing well and everybody's weathered the storm here and so far. moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. yeah, yeah. Two kids in college and uh, one in high one senior in high school. So yeah. Are they back in person or they are, yeah. Our kids are, are they have to wear masks in school but they're all back in person. So that was the most that's important good. thing. I'm fine with them wearing masks as long as uh, you know what we had a year and a half there where we were either hybrid or shut down and my middle child madison uh that was her senior year so she missed out on quite oh, a bit yeah. you know and i think just socially and adapting and just being around other students other people your own age it, it can wear on a young person so oh, i'm yeah. just really glad to have them back in school and back in that environment you know yeah so. we we learned we have one high schooler high schoolers do not have a great skill uh, with time management, yes. pacing yourself. Right. Um, it's amazing. You can really feel what the teachers help them do, mm -hmm. even outside of the academics. Yes. Because at one point in time, we had to go 100% virtual, and yeah. that was an absolute nightmare for yeah. us with mm -hmm. our high schoolers. Yeah. So, yeah, we're glad to be back. Even when she she's a senior this year, right? and when she registered for all her classes, as typical seniors do every now and then, they'll have a virtual class here or there, maybe mm -hmm. get to sleep in. Um, I said, did, what did you sign up for? Did you get any virtual? She said, Mom, don't you remember? That didn't work out too well last year. So I was like, yeah, that was a good lesson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not really an online gamer. haven't been into that. But my son, of course, you know, he's got the um, PS4 and he's got the Xbox at home. And we are always kind of like you know, making sure he didn't spend too much time doing that. It's fine. Yeah. Everything has its place, right? But during the pandemic, it was, I think, a bit of a lifeline for him to jump online and be with his buddies. Exactly. And uh, laugh and whatever and play some games because without that, I think he would have felt extremely disconnected. So. Yes, very much so. It is amazing how a lot of, te sometimes technology in that case is a, is a big win and, and can really help us as a student. Well, like we said, with our churches and live streaming, it's certainly what has helped us stay in touch with God's faithful people yeah. and help them stay in touch with their pastors mm -hmm. um, as well as their family and friends. So during our um, appeal last year, our bishop would lift up very often how the pandemic has exposed our wounds, talked about Jesus as the great healer. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he first said that early in the pandemic, it didn't, I didn't quite fully comprehend it, right. but as we're standing here today and we mm -hmm. have that rearview mirror, just as we're talking about the challenges yeah. everybody's had, that social disconnect, I mean, God created us as social beings, right. um, and so the pandemic did really expose our wounds, and so as a society going forward, I think we need the church more than ever, Agreed. Um, and we need that wonderful healer in our Savior, Jesus, so hopefully we'll all return back home. Exactly, exactly. I, I hope we do. And, and many, uh, I know many dioceses that have lifted that dispensation are really making a, a special effort to draw Catholics back home to Mass. And yes. uh, we had actually my bishop on the podcast uh, about a month ago. Uh, and that, that's the whole theme, just return, returning to the Eucharist, you know, yes. returning to the table. is so important. But you're right. I mean, on, and then on the other side of that, what you're saying is, I think it did expose our wounds. I mean, you see alcoholism, you see depression, it's been rampant like never before. Um, I've heard AA meetings are just jam-packed with people, and now they're virtual, so they're more, you know, accessible. Uh, so it's really, uh, it's amazing how our church has really come in and, and really closed the gap and, and helped heal the wounds in so many ways. Mm -hmm. So.
Yeah, so the, it's a silver lining, I guess some people will say, about yeah. the pandemic. It was um, obviously a tragedy in many, many ways mm -hmm. and created a lot of hardships for people, including, you know, death of loved ones. Yep. Um, but, but I, you know, I like to say it's it's the way that our Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways, right? right? Exactly, yeah, it's exactly. It's the mystery of our Holy Spirit. And mm. so we're, we're on this path and this journey, and if we have more of a focus on the eternal time and not just the <laughs> moment of time that right. we're in, then we know it's all going to be okay because we know the end of the story, right? Yeah. It's all been... The, the, We've already won. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's already won. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for stopping by the booth today. We really appreciate it. And best of luck to you and the foundation team and the great work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing to support our church across the country. And thank you for being here to support ICSC. We really appreciate having you here. And ICS is such a wonderful value to all of our dioceses across the country. So. It's a wonderful resource and a great group of folks. It's, it's always like seeing family every year, you know, just exactly. to see some of the folks from around the country. And coming here 25 years, I just can't believe to say oh, that out loud. that's wonderful. So, yeah, many friends. So all of us have kind of evolved into different roles, but it's always wonderful to come back and share that mission together. Yeah, well, it's great spending time with you this morning. Thank you for everything. Thanks, Kimberly. All right. God bless. Care. Bye. All right. Well, Dave DiNapoli from the Diocese of Portland in Maine, how are you today? Hey, Jim. Great to be here. It's great to gr be here. Great. Has it been a good week for you so far here at ICSE? It has, yeah. It's been uh, it's been great to hear some of the speakers and, and touch base with some of the vendors. Uh, it's been a real good conference so far. Absolutely. That's, that's great. That's great. What in particular, any particular workshop that you attended that you thought was good? So, you know, uh, up in the Northeast, we're a little, I'm very concerned about the uh, evangelization aspect. So some of the evangelization talks have been really good, uh, sort of reforming the mission, refilling the pews uh, yeah. after COVID. Sure. Uh, how to do that, how to think about that, and mm -hmm. how to plan for that uh, has been really beneficial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. How are things in the Diocese of Portland? Going well. Going yeah. well. We're seeing, financially, we're doing fine. Uh, yeah, good. <laughs> surprisingly enough, our, our collections are uh, back up. We, we compare everything to 2019 now, and we're at about 90% of 2019, where yeah. we were at about 80% back in 2020. Okay. Um, so things are moving in the right direction. Uh, mm -hmm. We're really just beginning to focus on uh, refilling those pews and, and helping people feel comfortable coming back and communicating the reason to come back. Um, you know, really sort of talking about being a Eucharistic community and sure. we need to be together to yeah. actually celebrate our faith. We yeah. can't do that over YouTube or on TV. We have right. to be in there in person. You know, as I've heard our bishop said, it's going to be difficult to get people back off, off the couch and into the pew. That's right. Because they're sitting in a much more comfortable seat right now. Yes, yes. With their big screen and their kids can scream and not have uh, yeah. not have anybody look at them. It, it's just a really nice thing to be able to leave your couch and go eat breakfast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't have to worry about being late. You just flip on the TV and Yeah, and yeah. Bring you, it up. you always get to sit in the same pew, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> There was something, you know, during COVID, though, I think, I mean, there were, there, there were some certainly some silver linings, but I enjoyed kind of trying different masses and trying mm. different homilists, you know, and we, for example, uh, as a family, we watched Father Mike Schmitz quite a bit and really got a lot out of, out of his homilies, and 
he really related it a lot of times to where my kids are at, I think. And he's so good at that because that's what he does, yes. campus minister. Yeah. But I know that other people have kind of, you know, found, maybe even rediscovered their faith or, you know, and, and found, you know, some new inspiration just by, just by trying something different. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully that whole experience can only add to our spirituality, but not replace mass, right? Yes, you know? yeah. I mean, uh, up in Maine, being the oldest state in the union, uh, we saw a lot of people who are unable physically to get to Mass mm -hmm. um, be really impacted by the live streaming. And being yeah. able to participate once again in their local church community was a real blessing to so many people. You know, then you had people who heard of Father XYZ and who were able to, like, see him, even though he's five hours away in Maine. Yeah. They were able to see his homily and hear his Mass and, and uh, you know, see how he does that. And, and uh, that was also a great benefit for people to be able to sort of bounce around and, and yeah. see different things. Yeah. Actually, our parish, I know, they went to live streaming and were surprised when they looked at the geographic Im impact that oh, they yeah. have. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, our bishop talked about that. His family was from down in Boston. He would say, oh, my brother was watching, uh, watching, us, watching me watching the Mass. My family watches the Mass that I do at the cathedral every week. Yeah. Because all throughout COVID, he, he did Mass at the cathedral at 10 a.m. every Sunday. Mm -hmm. And it was really just a, an interesting way to sort of look at the, that map and see how many different people from around the country were watching Mass yeah. in Maine. Yeah. My in-laws, my wife's parents, one of their grandchildren is at the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. And so they they got into watching the Naval Academy Mass, yep. you know, just yep. really enjoyed that. And they felt a little more connected to their grandson who's at yeah. the Naval Academy because of that experience. Yeah. So uh, other students I know who were away from college at least got to view campus ministry doing Mass. So there was some yeah. way of connecting. Yeah. But, but how did your kids weather through COVID? You know, there's, there's a lot of them, so they were fine. They had people to play with. I remember when I was... When COVID first started, I was taking a walk and, you know, somebody who was walking on the street, they said, you know, you must be having fun, you know, as I walk with my uh, six kids at the time. And, and I said, you know what? I said, we are having fun. <laughs> they play with each other and yeah. they leave me alone to do my work. And, uh, and it was really, you know, that, that part of it was a real blessing. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like we just had one at home that we were just trying to, you know, help through this and entertain and what's what are they going to do and yeah where, what are they going to do without friends you know they had friends they have friends built in so so that was a real blessing yeah but they've they've fared really well and we homeschooled so they they yeah. continued their education uh, you know without a blip and and even you know our catholic schools in maine they were able to open and be in time uh, in person full-time uh, even through the pandemic really Tr yeah we impressive. closed we closed for that first period but then after that we were able to open you know masks social distancing mm -hmm. sanitizing everything but we were able to continue throughout that the end of that last year 2020 and um, now again we just started school uh, a couple of weeks ago and and that's been going really well too good yeah I'm just a firm believer I think they need they need that interaction with each other absolutely and, you know and I think even I know you have really young ones too yeah. so that the early childhood years I hear are, are so critical to yeah. how, learn how to play nice with your neighbor that's right <laughs> learn how to stand in line you nothing know? like a sibling though to teach you how to do that <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, and our kids do also go to a co-op uh, you know with, with about 150 other kids so, so yeah that's uh, that's continued also through through the whole pandemic that's terrific yeah. have you seen any great examples of generosity in your diocese during this whole pandemic yeah I mean so many you yeah. know I think you know 
I'm, I'm more sort of exposed to the financial generosity of sure. people. You know, throughout this whole pandemic, it's, it's really shown through, you mm-hmm. know, to, to see the generosity of people to go above and beyond, to, to want to just do whatever they can to fill the gaps that exist. So I heard from a lot of people who said, you know, I know people have lost their jobs in this time. Here in Maine, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people that work in the service industries, and all of that kind of was shut down right in the beginning. And they said, I want to make up for whatever that is. So you tell father that whatever the offertory is lacking or um, whatever he's lacking for the appeal, to call me and, and, I'll, and I'll make up that difference. Tremendous. Um, I saw tons of that, you know. And then, and then also just outreach, you know. There was a group who was, who was just, our, our Catholic charities uh, continue to really serve the poor and, and um, you know, increase the number of people that they were, their food banks were serving. It almost doubled during 2020, and that was a huge sort of piece of generosity there. That was that was a show of generosity that was that was there in our state. We found that with a, a number of our clients, those folks that were willing to make the ask, there were certainly people that wanted to respond because I think there was a time, especially at the beginning, where nobody knew what to do, yeah. right? And you, there was kind of a sense of helplessness to that almost. And, yeah. But giving them this channel, it's very constructive, whether it be charity, whether it be service, whether, you know, donations, what have you. I think it was constructive for them, I yeah. think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, was, it gave people something to do, something to rally behind, mm-hmm. a way to sort of reach out when they were so secluded. And I think that really meant the world to them. To be able to do that. So, in in the diocese of Portland, has the bishop lifted the dispensation from attending mass? Or yeah, I believe it was Father's Day, if my uh, my my uh, memory is correct, that that, that was lifted. Um, you know, back in I guess it was was that June? Yeah. And and that was the, really the first time it was, you know things really started to open up around uh, Memorial Day of 2021 in Maine. All through 2020, we were pretty locked down. You know, there was a maximum of 50 people for a long time in in every church, and they uh, we were actually one of the most restricted in the nation. And then, in Father's Day 2021, is when the dispensation was reinstated, and we asked people to to come back to mass. Uh, and we actually sent a letter to that effect to our entire database. The bishop wrote a, a wonderful pastoral letter about the reinstating of the of the Sunday obligation and, and really sort of catechesis on what that meant and we mailed it to all 65,000 people uh, along with a, a small card with a QR code for mass times so even and and of those 65,000 you know I can tell you for certain that only 30,000 there's 65,000 families only 30,000 people were regularly attending our churches back in 2019 and that has since shrunk to 20,000. So those 65,000 families that got that letter, uh, you know, probably two-thirds of them haven't set foot in a church maybe in at least a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, 2019 included. So to be able to really use that as an outreach uh, in a way to sort of re-invite them back and tell them that we want them there and, and how important it is that they're there was a great opportunity and well utilized, I think. I had Dan Salucci on the podcast last week from the Catholic Leadership Institute, and he was talking about some of the creative ideas that they have and, and others that he's experienced. One, one that really struck me was he suggested that parishioners call, you know, have a little outreach committee at the parish 
and then you know just call your fellow parishioners and ask, do you want me to pray with you? Yeah. And they had some of the most powerful conversations Absolutely. with people. They were just so touched and overwhelmed uh, that somebody would call just to pray with them. So, so many people are alone and looking for that call. It's a shame it takes a pandemic for this to happen, but I think you know many of our parishes need some kind of a relationship committee, or I don't know if it falls under stewardship, but be ambassadors for the parish, yeah. just like we're called to be ambassadors yeah. for Christ. So back when the pandemic began uh, in March of uh, 2020, we, 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 I was talking to Conde down in Phoenix, yeah. and he said, you know, we're going to do this, this podcast or this, uh, this uh, call with all of our priests and, and our parish leaders, and I said, that's a great idea. We've got to do that. So yeah. I pitched it to Bishop Dealey. And he was willing. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing that. It was a weekly call. We call it actually Advancing Our Mission in the Time of Crisis. Mm -hmm. And that has since morphed into Advancing Our Mission, just that. And, you know, I think that because of that, we were able to share scripts with our, with our parishioners and, and with, our, with our churches and say, you know, call your parishioners. And we found out through those calls and sharing the, the live streams over those calls and people always ended up at this stewardship. How can we support the church? Yeah. What can we do to mm -hmm. help others? Um, but we also found this tremendous sort of loneliness in Maine. People hadn't been reached out to. They didn't even know that they were still on the parish list. Wow. So those, getting those volunteers and the work that that took, many of our parishes actually added that to, our, uh, to their CLI plan. Mm -hmm. um, the Catholic Leadership Institute came in and did plans with many of our parishes uh, over the last seven years. So many added that to their plan to continue to call these people, to continue to connect with them, because even though they may not be coming to church, they still are part of that parish, and we still need to be ministering to them. You know, when I first got to Maine, I said, you know, we need to be evangelizing here. Like, why aren't we evangelizing? Oh, you can't evangelize in Maine. You can't knock on somebody's door. It's two hours to your neighbor. You know, I heard all these different things. But I think through COVID, we realized that the one thing in Maine that, that overcomes all of that is the telephone. You know, the good old-fashioned telephone. Not, not text messaging, not Facebook, not any of this other stuff, but just uh, uh, dialing the number and, and finding out that, you know, you have terrible phone numbers for most of your parish, <laughs> but dialing those numbers and, and getting those answering machines and actually having people pick up their phone, which many still have, and, and being able to say, hi, you know, this is Bonnie from the parish, and I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I mean, for many people, they've been paying for that phone, and it hasn't rung, you know, in, in months or years. Right. So when they get that call from their parish, there, there was just tremendous sort of gratitude on, on their part. Like, you know, I, I didn't know that you even, you know, knew that I was still here. Right. So that that's been a tremendous way that we found to, to reach out and evangelize and sort of welcome people back. And um, I think that those phone calls will continue. That's great. Into the future. I mean, we built our, you know, and through that, those parishes were able to build their email lists and build their their mailing lists and you know, correct deaths that happened in the families that they didn't know about and, you know, identify family situations and personal situations. So those are all really tremendous things that, that happened, you know, from those phone calls. You know, it's so interesting. I think 
for many Catholics who don't attend Mass regularly, Mass is more of an event. We come for Christmas, we yeah. come for Easter, yeah. uh, I want to make sure my kid gets baptized, I, I want to make sure that my kid's confirmed, you know, right. check all the boxes, right? Yeah. <laughs> but really, we need to educate them that we want to be here for you throughout the year. That's right. Christ is, is found in the ordinary, right? Yeah. Just touching base. And, you know, it's amazing also to think, how, I think we're going to become a much stronger church because of this. With, they wouldn't have been making those phone calls had no. there not been a pandemic, no, no, right? No, no, no. And, you know? and, you know, those people that are in the pews today um, and who were there throughout the whole pandemic, I, I think, you know, those are the ones that would be there if somebody was, like, you know, shooting at them, shouting at them on the way in, you know? So I, I do. I think that it's, it's, a, it's a stronger church now. The ones that are in the pews are the ones who are ready and, and willing and yearning to reach out to those around them. Um, they're living their faith in the best way that they can, the way that, that they think God wants them to. And I think that there's a tremendous opportunity now to send those people out um, to, to bring the rest back, to gather the rest. You know, the, the harvest is great, right? But the laborers are few. Yeah. But I think that, you know, little by little, we can, we can bring all those people back. We can reap that harvest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dave, it was great having you on the podcast. Yeah, Jim, thank you. I appreciate you stopping by the booth. Always good to see you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too. I want to thank all of our guests for being on our show this week. It was wonderful to meet some of you for the first time in person, and for others, it was just great to catch up again. For more details about the guests on today's show, please visit our episodes homepage on advancingourchurch.com. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you're looking for a way to say thanks to Advancing Our Church this year, do me a quick favor and leave us a rating on iTunes. That small show of support goes a long way to spreading the word about our show. And if you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a terrific week. Take care and God bless.